Well, scripture, no problem, I will have. Luke's Gospel, the 16th chapter is where I'm going to start. Luke 16. Now I'm just going to start reading in verse 1. Now this is not going to be a message on hell. It could be. But we'll, we'll see. We'll get to it. Verse 19. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores. And desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table, moreover the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar, afar off. And Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. And send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water. And cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things. And likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted and thou art tormented. And beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence or here to you cannot. Neither can they pass to us that would come from thence or from there. <clears throat> then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, <coughs> that thou would send him to my father's house. For I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And said, he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. May the Lord add his blessings. <laughs> to the reading of that. Let's just look at the text just for a minute. There was a certain rich man. Now, I have, at times have called that rich man dives. Has anybody ever wondered why? Why did I call it call him dives? D-I-V-E-S. Well, that may not have been his name. But actually that came from the Latin. It, the Latin Vulgate says, calls him dives, and the reason for that is, that was a Latin word for rich. So, it really is not there, but it's alright. He doesn't really have a name, he's a rich man. But, Lazarus has a name. Now, the Jehovah's False Witnesses take this, and they say, oh, that doesn't mean anything, that's just a parable. Because this would uh, interfere with their doctrine of psychopanikia. 
soul sleeping. This indicates that souls don't sleep wherever they are. And that's the truth. They say, well, it's just a parable. Well, obviously that's not so. Some say it could be a, an historic parable, which I don't know. I don't want to call it a historic parable. It's an account Amen. that Jesus gave. That's our historic parable. But we know that say, well, Lazarus is named. And no one is ever named in a parable. Yeah, but he's not the only one. Abraham is named. And so was Moses. And mentioned the prophets. There's a lot of people named in this. So it's not just one, it's a bunch. All right, so, and even if it was a parable, which it's not, but did Jesus give us a parable to teach us a lie? Because what this teaches is that there is awareness in the grave, both in the spiritual level of Hades, Hades, hell, and paradise or heaven. Now, so the rich man, and it's, it's true today. Now let me tell you what. There is inflation going on. I heard someone say the other day that a gas is cheap now, just $3 a quarter a gallon. I don't know where it's three and a quarter. I haven't seen that. But the gas is cheap now. What are you talking about? Gas is not cheap at three dollars and a quarter. It was a dollar sixty something when President Trump was still in office, and looked like it was going to go down some more. But now the only reason it's going down now is because there's an election in November. That's the only reason. But now all of you taxpayers need to understand this. Uh, Joe Biden has already promised all of the people that owe student loans that they're canceled. They're not canceled. You think those loan companies have canceled those loans? No, he's just transferred them to you who pay taxes. And some of these students have got 70, 80, 100, over $100,000 worth of student loan debt. Now, who has prospered from that? Well, of course, if the student got a, a degree, he or she prospered to a, to a degree. Depends on what they got the degree in. But who really prospered from that? The University of Kentucky, Eastern Kentucky, Transylvania, all of these universities that, that had the students, that got the student loans, that's how they were able to keep their atheistic, communistic, un-American professors on those high payrolls, highfalutin payrolls. And that's why they're tearing down buildings and building buildings and building, just going on bigger and bigger. Biggest employers around are the universities. Well, 
Why is it they're not paying back some of those loans? They're the ones that got the benefit of it. Most of it anyway. A lot of people didn't even get the degree or got a degree that ain't worth anything. Not worth the, worth the paper it's written on. I'll tell you this. My wife had a student loan. And it's all paid off. We paid off every dime. I didn't get one penny from the U.S. government over that. Didn't want it. Because they don't give you money for free. You wait till these kids. Now what they're trying to do is buying votes for the November elections. That's what they're doing. Anyway, the people you give them a handout, they're oh, i got to keep getting that handout. That's what they want. Anyway, so this man was rich. And let me tell you what, I don't care what Joe Biden promises. He's going to get the rich people. He can't get the rich people. Ain't nobody can get the rich people. That's why they're rich, and I'm not bad-mouthing them. You think you're going to come in and take what they've got? That's how they got it, by being savvy. Anyway, so he fared sumptuously every day. Uh, and there was a certain beggar named Lazarus. And we talk about Lazarus a lot. For Lazarus was laid at his gate, a beggar. We don't see, well, well yeah, we do too. Uh, he was full of sores, but he was a real beggar. He didn't have a whole group of them going out and begging. And he was by himself. There wasn't nobody wanting anything to do with him. And he's desiring to be fed with the crumbs. Now, I don't know about you, but crumbs just won't do it for me. Anybody eat that little? He wasn't asking for much, was he? And so, moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. There's uh, the fat old pharmacy. Dog licking. That's his medicine. And it came to pass that the beggar died. Well, he's not the only one. And he was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. What of the book of Hebrews talks about the angels made of ministering spirits? Every child of God's got them. And where, say, where did they come from? They didn't come from nowhere. They was right there. They was already there when he died. Say, we got guardian angels? Looks to me like it. And the rich man also died. Oh, you mean they both died? What well, if we had to look at both of them and say, who you want to be like? Oh, I want to be like that rich man. Yeah, but now what are you going to do when he dies? I know I would, nobody would want to choose the la Lazarus, his life. As far as I know, he never had a good day in his life. You think bad things happen to you? I don't know anything good ever happened to him. Except maybe spiritually. But physically, I don't know that he ever had a good day in his life. It doesn't tell us he did. He said, well, how, how, come, how come the stress didn't kill him? Well, he, he evidently was able to handle it. He did handle it. Well, the rich man also. See, <laughs> the beggar died, but the rich man also. 
Doesn't matter who you are. We had had some time the other day. We were waiting on Star and Summer and not Star, but Angel and Summer in the Shriners Hospital. We took them took them out there, and she has to go there. So we had it really really a couple of hours. So Beverly and I we just drove to the Lexington Cemetery. We like to go out there. Beautiful place, you know. Driving big place too. You wouldn't believe some of the tombstones out there. Now, of course, Henry Clay's bigger than all of them. But he's got some kinfolk that's got some pretty big ones there too. And there's some of them got a tombstone out there that you've got a complete area, a paved area, and you he's in the center, and then the rest of his family's around, got shrubs all around, all kinds of marble memorials and all that. I don't know how much that gravesite cost. And that's his business. He had the money. That's all right. As long as he had the money, honestly. It's his business. And then you go to go to some other places and do well to find anything. But it doesn't take long. Big grave, big tombstone. Got your name and your family's name. Wait till they all die. Then who's going to go look at your tombstone? Say, so who was that? Somebody drive by, who was that? I know some of the old names. I know a lot of them out there because I've known them through my life. But when people like me are gone, their families are gone, who's going to remember them? Say, I'm going to leave that for what? Well, that's the thing. So, verse 23, in hell, that's Greek Hades, or we call it Hades. He lift up his eyes, being in torments. And that word means torment. And he sees Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. So see, there's two named people right there. Well, and he cried and said, Father Abraham. Now why did he say that? He was a Jew. And all Jews looked to Abraham as the father of the Jews, and he was. The word is progenitor. He was the first Jew. God took a Gentile and made a Jew out of him. And the rest of them were born Jews. Abraham wasn't born a Jew. He was born a Gentile, and God had to make him a Jew. Well, that's exactly why he's the father of the faithful, because that's how we're made a Jew, a spiritual Jew, exactly the same way. That's why he's our spiritual father. People act like that's something brand new. That's not new. That's from the get-go. Anyway, now what was Lazarus doing? He was begging uh, for some crumbs from the rich man's table. But now let's see what the rich man says. Have mercy on me and send Lazarus. Now notice he didn't ask for Abraham, let me out of here for just a little bit. Didn't ask that. He said send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger. Not that. The tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. 
That ought to scare people to death. All his life, Lazarus has begged. I don't know why he couldn't work. He was disabled. He wasn't able to work. Some people can't. People that can ought to. The Bible says if a man don't work, neither should he eat. But if he's able, able to work, you ought to, ought to work. So they all should. But if they're not able, that's a different story. For some reason, Lazarus, I don't know how... How long do you have those sores? I don't know. You may have the, how are you going to work with sores all over your body? Boils all over your body. I guess it's boils, like Job. But anyway, just begging for crumbs. He wasn't begging for a hamburger. Certainly wasn't begging for a pork chop. He wouldn't have got that anyway. But he wasn't begging for, for a chicken leg. Crumbs. Now here's the rich man who fared sumptuously all of his life. Now he's begging for a drop of water on his tongue. You think the situation is not reversed? Now let me tell you what. Uh, dives. You're going to be dead a long time. Well, he's already been dead 2,000 years, hasn't he? That's a long time there. They talk about young earth. 6,000 years ain't so young. But he's been dead already over 2,000 years. He said, how much longer is he going to be dead? Eternity. But now Lazarus is with Abraham. Comforted. How long is that going to go on? Eternity is just going to get better. He said, son, Abraham said, son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted and thou art tormented. And besides all this, between us, me and Lazarus and those with us. Between us and you, he's not with the crowd. He's alone. Between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed. I don't know how far it is from the west coast of Florida to the east coast of Texas. Houston, Corpus Christi and Galveston and all that. Then you get on Tampa and uh, Fort Myers and all that on the west coast of Florida. But that's the Gulf of Mexico. I know I don't want to try to row it. And I want to be in a big enough boat that will make it. Because it's a long ways. That's a gulf. I believe this gulf is even much larger than that. That's how futile it is to ask to go from one to the other. Well, uh, probably the Roman Catholics and the others, Greek Catholics, and even some of the Lutherans and Episcopalians, 
They're all into praying for saints, praying to them. Of course, any saints God made, there ain't no sense praying to them because they can't do anything for you. Everybody's faithful child of God and Lord's church is a saint. That's what it says. And we certainly don't have any power to sainthood, give sainthood to anybody. They don't either. They just lie and say they do it. There's a bishop or something got on that, Catholic bishop's got on that Facebook. And you watch everything he puts on, it's all about the saints, man. Pictures and statues and all that kind of stuff. Uh, anyway, they're all about praying to saints. And do you know they use this to justify that? But now Abraham, he ain't helping. <laughs> now this is a child of God. Faithful child of God. And Lazarus, or the rich man, is talking to him. And he ain't getting no help. <laughs> I say you talk to all them saints. They just as dead as doornails. They ain't going to help you do it. Are you going to pray to a saint? You going to pray to Mary? She ain't the mother of God. She, she was the mother of Jesus, but she is a sinner saved by the grace of God. Amen. Well, here's one that ain't going to help you. Not because he's bad. He just ain't capable of helping you. He said, beside all this, between us and you, there's a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from here to you cannot. Uh, West Cotton Hort, the big language people, that wrote up their own Greek text. And all of these Bibles, these new translations of the Bible, most of them, even the ESV, they used their Westcott and Hort text to translate the Bible and say they've got the Word of God. This is not it. Well, they're liars. Do you know Westcott and Hort? were dealers in necromancy. How many know what necromancy is? Calling up the dead. Witchcraft. I don't want my Bible translator doing that. And pretty much this Bible was translated by a guy who we're pretty sure was a Baptist, William Tyndale. <laughs> oh, let me tell you this while Side. Brother Brown, you say you'll learn more off the subject than you will on the subject. Go with it. People say, oh, that's not the real King James, what you've got. Sure it is. I can bring you the original 1611 King James translation. And the absolute only difference is it is in it is the spelling is a little different. The words are the same. So don't let any smart addicts tell you that you don't really, you think you got a King's, 
James. You don't even have a King James. That's not a real 1611 King James. A bunch of smart addicts think they know something. They don't get it and try it. I have. Anyway. Neither can they pass to us that would come from thence there. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou would send him to my father's house. If he can't come to me and bring me a drop of water from a tongue, at least send it to my father's house. For I have five brethren, brothers, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. I've heard of Armenian preachers getting on that and saying, well, here this man turned into a missionary. Have you ever heard anybody say such a thing? I've seen it in writing and I've heard it. Believe you me, Dives is no missionary. You notice he never did ask to come out of hell. Because he knows what it is to come out of hell. To come out of hell, he to not go to hell, he would have had to bow the knee to Christ. And he's like the rest of them that said, we will not have this man to rule over us. And his heart ain't been changed. Well, well, Abraham said unto him, They have Moses, and the prophets let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. You just hadn't given the right motive. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. Let me remind you that since this time, we have had one that rose from the dead. Jesus Christ, the righteous, 72 hours after he was put into the grave, he arose and was seen of above 500 brethren at once. More, more testimony to his rising from the dead than any ancient truth. And as it caused a massive repentance and turning to Christ. No, it hasn't done it. Well, here's what I'm going to talk to you about. You hear people say, I've heard preachers say, if I could have just preached better, somebody would have been saved. If I'd cried more, maybe somebody would have been saved. If I'd laughed more, maybe somebody had been saved. If I'd have told more sad stories, maybe somebody would have been saved. If we'd have sung more, somebody would have been saved. If we could have prayed more, somebody might have been saved. You ever hear such stuff as that? We only sang 18 verses of Just As I Am. If we'd have sung maybe 20 verses of Just As I Am, somebody would have got saved. You hear that. If you're out amongst them, you hear it a lot. Oh, we sung 800 verses of Just As I Am, and one person got saved. It was all worth it. If I could just get some positive proof of creation against evolution, maybe somebody would be saved. 
You hear all that stuff. Well, let me, 1 Thessalonians 5. Remember, Clint Eastwood said, a man's got to know his limitations. Well, I say every one of us has got to know our limitations. And I don't think many people know their limitations, including preachers. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Verse 4. Knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God. For or because our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost, and in much assurance as you know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. The word power is significant here. And it ain't yours. It's not mine. It's the power of the Lord, the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, you know what the Armenians do with that? They say, all the election, that's Jews. Now, this church at Thessalonica was not made up of Jews. It was made up of Gentiles. If you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile, a heathen. That's what we are. And he's talking to a Gentile church. And he says, knowing brethren, beloved, foreloved of God, your election of God. Well, they try to say that's just the Jews. Uh, Brother Brown said about this, the elect are whom God elected. I'll remember that. The elect are whom God elected. Whether they be Jew, Gentile, whoever. And they are known by their actions. How would Paul know the election of these Thessalonian brethren? Brothers and sisters. How would he possibly have privy to that kind of information because it was before the foundation of the world that God chose his elect. Brother Paul, how do you have knowledge of that? I don't. That's what he would say. I know the election of these people because they act like they are. They talk and work and do like the elect of God. Brother uh, Claude King in his article said, I know I'm one of God's elect because I've done what God said his elect would do. <laughs> now that foils the hard shells. They say you're saved whether you know it or not. That's not true. That's not true at all. Paul knew the election of these Thessalonians because of their actions. Now, 
exactly what is it that we could do to guarantee the salvation of people to walk these aisles every service? Not one thing. We're at 1 Thessalonians. Go back to 1 Corinthians. Now I'll tell you what. Go to Mark 13 first. Mark's Gospel chapter 13. This goes with that 1 Thessalonians 5. In verse 20, this is kind of up to date for us right now. You're talking about the great tribulation. And except that the Lord had shortened those days, no flesh should be saved, but for the elect's sake whom he hath chosen. The elect are whom he hath chosen. He hath shortened the days. There it is. The election. Now go to 1 Corinthians, 1st chapter. Verse 17. Now again, this is a Gentile church. Do you know where Corinth is? It's still there. It's old Corinth, but it's there on the island of Greece. They ain't Jews. They're Greeks. He contrasts the Jew and the Greek, doesn't he? And that's where Corinth was, and it still is. I ain't a whole lot there now. It's just all a bunch of thrown down fluted columns but I did eat a uh, what's that Greek sandwich the gyro only there's a gudos <laughs> with sheep with lamb in it that's why they fix them over there anyway for Christ sent me not to baptize hey Campbellites did you hear that but to preach the gospel Baptism is not the gospel. It pictures the gospel, but it's not the gospel. Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. Notice what he's doing with the cross. He ain't wearing it. He ain't tattooing it. He ain't hanging it on his ears or around his neck. He ain't got it on top of a building. He's preaching the cross. How much do I have to say that? Man. Anyway. For the preaching of the cross. Just trying to. Tiny statement. Which she wanted me to emphasize. A lot of these words. She said you say his people. He, he shall save his people from their sins. He's preaching the cross. Not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. In other words, my, my fancy words could destroy the preaching of the cross. 
And they say, well, now you need to couch your terms and not be so plain. No, Paul said with great plainness of speech. Somebody said they can't understand my preaching. No, the problem is they do understand my preaching. There's the problem. For the preaching, not the displaying. Yeah, there's people wear those crosses that would never dark a door of a church. It's style. It's the preaching of the cross, not the display of it. It's to them that perish foolishness. It's not foolishness to you or me. We that are saved, we know what it is. It is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Wise is another word for prudent, another aspect of wisdom. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? There's the debater of this world. Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? Let's debate that. For after or since that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Let's go on. For the Jews require a sign. Remember Jesus told them there wouldn't be but one sign. He'd be in the grave three days and three nights. Just like Jonah was in the bed of the whale three days and three nights. That's 72 hours. In anybody's language and anybody that disputes that is disputing the plain word of God. And the Greeks seek after wisdom. Philosophical. Aristotelian. Platonic. Does that sound, does that sound smart? Aristotle and Plato. All of them. Anaximander. Every one of them go up a blind alley. And that's what the Greeks keep on seeking. But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block and unto the Greeks foolishness. But we're going to see about that foolishness. They say, it's, they say all of this about, well, we heard it in the devotion this morning. We hear it all the time. We're in the prayers. Christ died to pay the sin debt for all of the sins of all of his people. They think that's foolishness. No. It's, that is our only and blessed hope. Amen. Well. Unto them which are called. <laughs> I got a little note here. Effectually. Amen. Both Jews and Greeks. Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Not from man, not from any preacher man. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men. And the weakness of God is stronger than men. For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, 
Not many mighty, not many noble are called. One of the English queens, I forget which one right now, but she was a saved woman. And her, her word was this, I'm so thankful that the Bible didn't say not any noble, it said not many noble. Because she was a noble woman, Queen of England. And God had saved her. God had called her. And she was thankful unto God to be a saved woman. And she knew when she died, all that, all that rigmarole is gone. She's with the eternal God. But God hath, look at that word, chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty and base things of the world and things which are despised. God hath chosen, yea, and things which are not to bring to nothing, things that are. That takes a lot of meditation to get to the bottom of that. That no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, <laughs> who of God has made unto us wisdom, not that wisdom of the world, wisdom of the Greeks, but the wisdom of God and the righteousness and sanctification and redemption. What do I have in Christ? Everything. Amen. That according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord, not in man's wisdom. All of these evolutionists, all of these so-called atheist agnostics, do you know what they glory in? The intelligence of man. That's all the hope they've got in the intelligence of man. And it, all that is to God is foolishness. Let me tell you how foolish it is. The Almighty God, the Creator God spoke and it was done. The universe brought into existence that which was not. He said be and it was. Abraham believed that. Jesus knew that. The apostles believed that. All saints of God believed that. And the wisdom of this world says, 15 and a half billion years ago, everything was reduced to a dot. Smaller than a pinhead. I mean, he's, they're talking about all these pews. All this building. All of every building. This whole planet. All the other planets. All the stars. Everything, all the matter in the universe was in the size of a pinhead. Now wait a minute, we're talking about smart people. And for some reason or other, we haven't figured that out yet, but for some reason or other, at a particular time, 13 and a half billion years ago, that little dot expanded, exploded. 
And we know that because there's little red things out there. And then it just created a ball of fire. The earth. And then after billions of years, it cooled down. And then it started sweating and sweating enough water that you got the oceans. And it cooled down. And then out of the oceans, a little bacteria started spreading, multiplying, and became a sponge. And the sponge became a fish. And the fish got tired of swimming and crawled up on the beach and said, I think I'm going to walk for a while. And he sprouted legs. And he got tired of walking. He said, I think I'm going to swing from a tree. And he climbed up a tree and he became a monkey. And the monkey came down and the monkey became a bigger monkey. And a different kind of monkey. And he came on until he got to, lo and behold, all of these things. And he got to homo sapien, man. Thus, that's where we came from. And they call that intelligence? They call that science? No, science is knowledge. They don't know any such thing. And how, Lord, thank you for revealing yourself to us. And we know what true intelligence, true wisdom is. And it sure ain't that. Well, now, yeah, let him glory in the Lord. Now let's look at chapter 2 of 1 Corinthians. I've got to hurry. I want to read it all, but I can't. Uh, Brethren, I, when I came, you came not with excellency of speech or wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. Not excellency of speech. Verse 7, we, verse, chapter 2 of 1 Corinthians. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I have not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God had prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. Then I'm save time and skip to verse 14. But the natural man, that's the unsaved man. Psukikos. Brother Brown says, the solic man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. For they are foolishness unto him, unto them, or to unto him, neither can he know them. Because they are spiritually discerned or understood. By the Spirit, but he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man, for he hath known the mind of the Lord, but he may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. That's been done in that regeneration work of the power of the Holy Spirit. And then quickly in chapter 3, verse 7. So then neither is he that planteth anything, Neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. We're talking about people coming to know the Lord. We're talking about people being saved. What can we do to get more people saved? 
You can continue on with what you have learned, what you know to do. There's nothing else that we can do. You can have all of the bands, all of the singers. You can have all of the stuff, and it won't do one bit of good. Verse 8, now he that planteth and he that watereth are one. And every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are laborers together with God. You are God's husbandry. You are God's building. Now, let me go back down here to verse 18. Let no man deceive himself. If any man among you seemeth to be wise in this world, let him become a fool that he may be wise. That be a fool to this world, but come to true wisdom. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it is written, he taketh the wise in their own craftiness. And again, the Lord knoweth the thoughts of the wise, that they are vain. Therefore, let no man glory in men, for all things are yours. Whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or things present or things to come, all are yours and ye are Christ and Christ is God's. The power, the word comes in power of the Holy Spirit. Of his own will begat he us with the word of truth. I didn't beget anybody. Can't. Nobody else can either. Understand our limitations. Let's.